welcome back to Taylor Trash Fly Fishing, the number one fly fishing podcast in the world that posers love to hate. Keep washing those boats, crafting those angling experiences, or simply carrying your boss's camera and luggage. You're going to make it big someday. Until then, enjoy our next episode, episode 32. We're podcasters. We love all of our fans, even the haters. So, fellas, when's the last time you've had uh, a hater come at you and you look at them and you find out they're doing better than you? Mm-mm. No. no. Uh, pretty hold rare. On. Hold on. Carry, r- carry the zero. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Never. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I believe that's the least common denominator mm-hmm. that I always see is, right. uh, you know, and and I think haters has become kind of like uh, a noun of late. It's the person that looks at your profile and follows you the closest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to call them stalkers. <laughs> um, and you used to be able to get like restraining orders against these people. <laughs> <laughs> Times have changed. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, Saturday night. Um a little bit late start, but uh, it's because we're having a good time getting ready for this thing. And uh, Mark is not with us this evening. Ben, Carl, myself here at the old oak table here in the Taylor Park. And we are joined by a guest, a guest with uh, actually quite a bit of history for the podcast. Uh, Chris White. Hey, thanks. thanks Welcome. For Thank, you. Uh, Thank you. For those that... Uh, have just jumped into the podcast recently, may not know that Chris is actually the artistic brain behind Martian Mangrove and uh, many moons ago while uh, passing time in a hotel room while doing his day job, which we all have. Um, he was doodling on that, you know, that little pad of paper and that pen that they give you next it's to got the like bed stand. six sheets of paper yeah mm-hmm. he uh he was uh he came up with uh the original design of the awesome old like 50s hotel motel oak chill sign that with a little bit of uh massaging that justin Souter did was the uh original sticker that we mm-hmm. put out mm-hmm. yeah so uh Welcome, man. It's great to finally have you here uh, hanging out with us. Absolutely. Thank you. You guys uh, are in town here uh, enjoying getting stuck around Mosquito Lagoon, going yeah. to the local watering holes. Yeah, a couple couple stops today. Uh, watering <laughs> a couple holes quick and stops. A couple of abrupt, <laughs> a couple of abrupt stops. Yeah, a couple, uh, couple bars and sandbars we mm-hmm. became familiar with today. Sweet. So um, tell us a little bit about your jam you've been uh you're from the jacksonville area yeah um most of your fishing is up jacksonville way absolutely and uh chris has a pretty interesting history um tell us about your boat i know you don't have it any longer but uh it's it's pretty notable yeah thanks um it's a little sad moment um it's uh we're here for you dude thank you i appreciate that (laughs) Ah, the Pathfinder. Um, it was uh, it was actually a really cool boat and cool story behind it. Uh, it was owned by a couple guys, uh, father son out in Ocala. They purchased two of them 
um, 15 tees, some uh, matching, so they could go fish together in separate boats, and they ended up fishing. Because they liked each other, but not that much. Yeah. Or they wanted to fish together, but, like, not together. I'm not pulling your ass around. Get your own boat. I'm not going to listen to you cry all day. I'll be over here on my own. Yeah, that I kind of thought yeah, that's yeah. how it was. Yeah. yeah, or I just imagine like two of them cruising down a creek together, like side by side in the yeah. sunset, yeah. like a couple of horses. I like <laughs> it. Jet skis or these <laughs> pathfinders. <laughs> um, but there was two guys. There was a father son. They had them, and one ended up sitting in a, a barn for years, um, and then I ended up buying it from uh, another guy, the second owner of it, and I had it, and then I just started just working on it and making adjustments and designed the pulling platform for it and had that fabricated a grab rail for it fabricated and just kept working at it right and now i think what i'm really trying to lean towards and 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 pull out of you is your boat was actually featured by florida sportsman they had a project dream boat project dream boat so tell us a little bit about how that came about yeah, absolutely. So um, I was just working on the boat and making adjustments and how I wanted it to be the way I wanted it uh, and the way I wanted to fish it up in Jacksonville. And we've got tons of flood tides and different areas to fish, marsh and creeks. Um, and I saw the, I was building it up for me and wanted it to be, you know, I, don't know, I put a labor of love into it and everything I had and planned everything out. Uh, saw an opportunity for the Project Dream Boat. So I emailed them, and um, kind of one thing led to another, and we ended up filming the show. Um, it was was it, I remember something about that story being really quick. Like, they emailed you right back, or it was like a little while later. They're like, oh, damn, we need a boat. Oh, wait a minute. Call this guy back. Like, Yeah, it was... Uh, you thought it might have been... Well, I, I sent the email, sent a bunch of photos, and then it was like, a, hey, yeah, we want this boat. And then I was like, okay, cool. Okay, like, it'll yeah, totally yeah. fit in the show. Yeah. And then it backed off. And then it was like, hey, these things take a while. And then it was like four and a half months later. And then I got hit back for it. So, okay. Yeah. So just to, just to back up, just a, a touch, going to pump the brakes. So you located the, the skiff. Um, it, it was a barn find, right? Yeah. And you bring it home and you're like, man, this is, this is a blank canvas. I've got some really good ideas. So you're already documenting what you have, what you're doing to it, and then Florida Sportsman comes out with the, hey, we're doing Project Dreamboat. If you've got a skiff that you're redoing. So you already, just for your own purposes, had been documenting kind of the the journey that, that your skiff was making. So it was almost like, you know, the angels were looking down and said, hey, this is going to be perfect for, for somebody like you that's been documenting it. So you're showing them a finished product or you're showing them like what you've started doing when, when you got involved with the show. So when I got involved, it was, it was the finished product. Okay. Um, but to the documentation part there, I took photos and video of everything I did along the way. Okay. Um, and then all the, uh, everything I added on, it was just, you know, another photo set. And there was a couple of websites that I was a part of and, you know, different social media groups that I would post photos to of the build. Okay. And then, you know, every step along the way when I added something or who I was working with to get it done. And then. Did you do any of this on, uh, what is it? Um, uh, what's, what's the website? Uh, Microskiff. Microskiff. Yeah. yeah, there was some on Microskiff and then others. I think they love us on Microskiff. Yeah, they do. Yeah, huge <laughs> for sure. Not really, huge. but. 
<laughs> Big shout out to yeah. micro skiffers. All you micro skiffers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looking at you, fins left. <laughs> um, yeah, there, it, there was some documentation I did online, and then a lot of it I just kept for myself. And I, again, like I just kept adding to it and adding more to it. And eventually I was like, okay, like where do we go from here? And um, that's when I saw the Project Dreamboat show came out. And I was like, hey, let me see what can happen. And I looked at the end of the show, found out the production company, emailed them, and, and just said, hey, this is what I have. How do I get in touch with someone? Like, right. would you guys be interested in something like this? And a lot of their builds are full strip downs, like full, you know. Well, they have some that, so they, there was a shop in Stewart. And I noticed the newer ones, they changed a little bit. There was one shop, and people would bring their boats and have them done. So they could film it all happening, whatever. And then yours would have been like the reader rides or whatever they call that yeah, other section where like people have already gone through the boat, you know, whatever. They have all kind of different stuff. Okay. So, so my biggest <clears throat> question post uh, production, the the story comes out. It's it's a it's a TV show, and since then, this is something Carl suffers from daily. Do you get stopped a lot? And people are like, D- you're the guy from Project Dreamboat. So funny. Um, we we just sold our house, and we had it on the market, and we had someone come in to, to clean our carpets. And uh, I had that. I was working on something in the garage. And I Hired the, garage. the old rug sucker. I had the garage door open. <laughs> right. Rug sucker. <laughs> I had the garage door open, and um, this guy, two guys show up, and the one guy looks at the boat, and he's like, and he looks at me and kind of does this like triple take and he goes and he looks I guess at his order form or you know what you got to make a quote for and he goes I'm going to need you to sign this <laughs> <laughs> he goes he goes that boat was on Project Dreamboat and I'm like yeah he goes you're Chris White and I'm like yeah <laughs> and he goes well I got to see this boat man and then like we didn't even look at the carpet for about 30 minutes and we were just talking boats <laughs> that's awesome yeah, that's, that's pretty cool fun. I like pretty it fun. I like it a lot. So um, you've passed the skiff on to a new owner. I did. Did Was there a lot of talk of, you know, please take care of it? You know, there's a lot of a lot of work that's gone into this. You put chrome rims on this boat, I'll kill you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the boat? No, man, just on the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, there was. So there was a couple buyers that were interested in it, and I and I had a hard time letting it go. Um, Is it really just, easy to sell, though? Because it's like everything you did was documented and, like, do, you know, and viewed. So they already knew it. Yeah, there's. Uh, it was super hard to let it go. Um, just knowing how much work I put into it yeah. and where I was, you know, the time I spent into it, the thought going into it, you know, the reasoning behind things. Because everything had a purpose. It wasn't just wasn't there for flash or right. for add-on. Um, so, yeah, it was really tough. Yeah, it was like purpose-driven to what you wanted. It, it was it was customized for Chris White. Yep. So you're the perfect person to talk to these two clowns, um, <laughs> pretenders. Hobbyists. That, Phonies, if you will. You know, Chris Morjohn. As quirky as Chris Morjohn is, I always find it super baffling when he talks about how anybody can build a skiff. And, you know, Chris Morjohn's selling plans. He's selling the dream, right? And 
the idea of building my own skiff is is an of interest to me, but at the same time, I know my limitations. You know, um, I only use left-handed hammers, and I know that that's probably not the right accoutrement to to be able to to build a skiff, but. You're not building a skiff from the ground up. You're customizing a skiff. What is your thought process, and what would you say to the average person? Because we, we've had the question, and we've tried to address it on numerous different occasions where people are like, you know, what's a good $10,000 skiff, you know, that, that I can get? Um, and one of the answers that we gave was, hey, man, you can watch – Craigslist, or I guess Craigslist mm-hmm. is almost dead now, I was told. I think yeah. so. I think yeah, it's, it's like not, more Facebook yeah, yeah. Marketplace yeah, now. Agreed. So you can go on Facebook Marketplace, kids, and find uh, a skiff, a project skiff, and build your skiff and save some money doing it. But you're somebody that's lived that process. Like, that scares the fucking bejesus out of me Mm -hmm. because I can see the divorce around the corner. Um, (laughs) You know, like, and and not because of money being spent on it, just the MFers, mother, you know, like, the screaming, the yelling, the gnashing of teeth by me because I would end up, no matter what Chris Morjohn says, I don't know how I'd be capable of doing it. And I, I, I'm not not handy, but like it's it's a scary process. So how deeply did you get into changing this skiff? Is it more ideas that then you had people fabricate stuff and then you're putting it on the skiff, or did you like really get in there and grind and change stuff? Um, from a grind and change stuff, no. It okay. was really about fabrication. Um, and you know location of items how things were laid out it was really around layout and in i guess um i guess that whole function before form piece because i already had i mean when i got it there was it was a just a regular hull there was no pulling platform there was no grab bar there was nothing oh okay so it was slick it was just it was just a hole and a motor and a tiller and that was it so really you know, it, it just a blank canvas to what you said. And okay. I had the opportunity to make it what I wanted it to be. Um, and uh, it was just a starting point. I was like, so what, what size uh, motor were you running tiller? Uh, it was a 40 horse okay. Yamaha two stroke. Nice. Okay. So it was like a power plant was perfect. Uh-huh. Um, and it was like an O three motor and the hull was a 2000. So felt really good. The motor was super clean. So I didn't have to make any adjustments there at electric trim, trim tilt. So everything was good. Um, all the adjustments really, or anything I added, it was just really add ons. So, and you got to start, that's another part of that. You got to start with like good bones, right? So if you go and find something that's completely, you know, it might be a a Hughes or something cool, but it's rotten, right? That's way more expensive than just getting a nice one. So you guys have even said it and you know, our great friend of the show, Jameson, just redid his Ginu. Mm-hmm. And the amount of time and effort and probably money that was put into, quote-unquote, freshening up and rehabbing that Ginu, mm-hmm. he had probably bought a brand-new Ginu. Oh, yeah, yeah. That being said, that Ginu hull has a lot of significance. It came from a family member. Right. And... And I understand that, and I can appreciate yeah. that. But you're right. You know, it's like 
what you're starting with is important. Right. So. Got to have a good platform, good bones. Right. And if it's something that you might want to get rid of and upgrade or get something bigger later, you know, whatever, it can't be some off-the-wall thing. Right. People just get really weird stuff and do it. It's, like, not really marketable at the end. So if we peel it all the way back, so... um our youngest daughter, she just turned eight last week. Okay. So that same week we were in the hospital and my wife, like we were waiting to take home Kira and I was looking on at the time Craigslist cause it wasn't dead yet. Yeah. The marketplace didn't exist. Right. Rip. And rip. Um, and I found a Ginu that was on there and I had sold a bunch of stuff I had in the garage and it's stacked some cash and I think I had like 500 bucks and I bought a Ginu and a 15 horse and it stripped the Ginu down and I completely rebuilt it Mm. sold that Um, but also when I was doing it I knew that hey I'm going to build this up make sure it's a solid name that has a good following do it all the right way and then I'm going to get something else Mm -hmm. so you're flipping you're flipping stacking some cash Mm -hmm. so I did that then got a J14 Carolina skiff same thing kept it super clean Mm -hmm. made all the right modifications I wanted to it that it would be marketable to someone else same thing sold it again then I ended up getting a Key West and then when I got the Pathfinder that was just a straight up trade so the guy that bought into the Key West, he had a Pathfinder, and they were doing, like, bridge dives for fish. And he's like, I need a better platform. The Key West works for me. And I was like, fantastic. I want a Pathfinder 15T. Like, that was dead set on it. Right. Um, so we just met up one day and swapped out. So that's how that all came about. So really working into the 15T, as you guys said, like, mm-hmm. if you're looking to build up, it's okay to start with something small um, make you know, and stick with something that you could feasibly move move through what are some things that are neat or weird or off the wall that personally would be cool but if that's the plan if that's you know if if it's for you and it doesn't make any difference if you ever sell it great but i see stuff where it's like you know hundreds of hours and this much money into some oddball weird thing that was for one dude crazy colors you know whatever it is just not marketable later and, and the thing was, I used every one of them I had. So through the process of like fixing them up mm-hmm. and refurbing, refurbishing them, basically, I was utilizing them to go fishing. So, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like I just had a project for five years that I was working on. It was just I just used one and then I got to a point like, OK, I want something new. What do I want? Mm-hmm. And then I'd sell it and get into something else. And mm-hmm. then I got to the Pathfinder and was like, OK. Like, this is this, this is, is my, my dream boat. boat. Yeah, this is my dream boat, and that's right. when I started making sure you know it's like had the pulling platform fabricated, had the grab bar fabricated, and uh, you know casting platforms and the way everything was set up. I rewired the boat. Um, it just you know took my time with it and made sure everything was done to like my specs. Okay. So the journey. What's the length of time? From getting the getting the skiff until it's finished, and how many how many weekends, how many hours go into this project? Well, um, it was probably about start to finish about two years. Okay, um, you know while using it and waiting, sure. and then okay, you know, and then of course, you know. I have a full-time job. We have three kids, so money is kind of scarce. So I've got to, you know, funny money is scarce. Side, you know, add things in or you know, make make the side money to make yeah. it happen. So you know, it took time, but it was just one thing at a time that I would add in and then just prioritize what it was. But really, it was about mapping out everything I wanted on the boat, 
when I wanted to get it and then when each thing would be useful, you know, when I would need to be able to put it in. So, right. Yeah, I would say two years start to finish. Okay. And that's another, I mean, even with, you could think about like a, like all your tackle, all your rods, all your whatever. If you just kind of go by willy nilly, it, you could end up with twice as much as you need. I didn't really like this one. I like this one more. So I'm going to go back and get this size and the, um, and a seven weight, eight, you know, whatever. If you, same with a skiff or I'm sure drift boats or whatever. If you kind of have an idea of where the whole thing's going to go at first, map it out. Okay. Like I'll have 20,000 bucks in this boat by the end. What do I start with first? What makes sense? Blah, blah, blah. You'll be at 20,000 bucks. If you just jump all over the place, you go back and forth and it'll be 30, you know, or, you know, just get, it can get out of hand quick. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that was part of it too, because I, you know, had limited funds to go into it. So how uh-huh. do I make sure I do this and do it you, the right mm-hmm. way? Be smart do about it first. It. Yes. Absolutely. Right. And not think it. through it, like actually have a plan. Don't just like mm-hmm. jump into it. Yeah. And, and I must've rethought the grab bar 15, 20 times of where the setup was. Like, mm-hmm. was it something mounted to the center? You know, was it something mounted to the center? We ended up going right gunnel, but it was, you know, do I do a removable grab bar in the center off of a cooler or do, you know, does it go to the right side and what does that look like for the rod and where does the rod holder sit? And I mean, there was so much that went into it and how much, how useful could this be and what else needed to be added on or taken away and, uh, you know, mocking everything up in PVC helped out a ton. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you actually built some stuff and like put it in and said, okay, let me stand here and feel how this is. Let me try to put some rods in and out of the rod holder. Don't like it. Let's move it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there. So the fabricator I used down at Fort Pierce. So and I'm up in Jacksonville, so about right. three hours away. Uh-huh. Um, and we became friends over the years because he had done some stuff for me on other boats. But it was, uh, it, you know, we did everything remotely. So I'd have to mock everything up in PVC, send him all the measurements, and then he just fabricated everything for me via phone, mm-hmm. FaceTime, email, etc. When I just sent him over the notes, so it was actually really cool to with technology to be able to say, Hey, like instead of just taking the boat to a shop, mm-hmm. which we'd normally done, right. like, you know, say, Hey, this is what I have. Here's all the photos. This is what I'm looking for. Um, and be able to do it that way. And then I just, I would drive down, pick up what I needed, drive back up, um, and then install everything myself. Mm-hmm. That's rad, man. That's pretty cool. Sweet. So on the other side of the equation, you guys get people that come in all the time that say I want to do A, B, C through G mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on my skiff. Haven't heard from Chris. Is there anything you can take from like woeing people up and saying you need to think about this more, or is it just like the customer's always right? Whatever they're mm-hmm. wanting, let's do it because. I know that you guys have had a couple of skiffs that have kind of lived at your place, right? Through the through the wheeling and dealing and changing of ownerships, and it's like right. you guys will be working towards a goal of changing this skiff or adding something to the skiff, and then no, we're not doing that after all. Right. And it's like work that you've done. Yeah, now yeah. you have to grind. Yeah. You know, so it'll it'll get derailed a little bit. But yeah, yeah you want to get an idea, and I mean, I think the smart way to do it is if I had a boat and like one owner one owner one boat that came in multiple times for different stuff different all right let's do let's clean everything up this time cool let's 
wire it next time. Let's do, you know, it doesn't need to be like some big, fancy, big money job, go through everything, go crazy. But if you're working with the same person and they're using the boat and, you know, the more and more familiar they get with the process and the boat, the better it comes out in the end. The happier, you know, they are, the, the cooler the boat is and, you know, makes us look cool. <laughs> yeah, the uh the the one you're thinking of that's been at the shop for a little while, it uh it's changed hands a couple times and so there's like custom parts we've made that one dude wanted that the next guy now doesn't. Right. And you're like, "Dang, I spent all, like hours." I mean, and I understand you 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 know, the the client before right yeah you know paid for that work to get done that's cool and everything it's but just at the kind same of frustrating time, like like uh creatively it's a lot of time well <laughs> you didn't totally understand that even funny yeah. stuff like okay i want it to look original so we want to do rolled gel mm-hmm. on the sides just like it was back in the day and the next guy's like why does this look unfinished can you make it all smooth and i'm like Yes, I can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. It could take about 12 hours, but yeah, yeah, we could yeah, do it. Yeah. Wow. So it's, uh, but it's fun seeing what features, one thing that has allowed is what features these people like versus what this yeah, guy likes. Yeah, it's like and, what's important to one guy right, versus right. what's important to the other guy is often, which gets back to you, Chris, like when you were, you knew what you wanted ultimately. You wanted the 15T. Mm-hmm. So to get there, because you're being frugal, you said, okay, let me buy a Ginu. And when I build this Ginu out, I'm not building the Ginu for me. I'm building it so it's marketable. Yeah. It's it's every man's Ginu. Um, you did the same thing with the, the next boat. Um, the Carolina Skiff. The Carolina Skiff. So there's, there's a lesson in there. And that's, you know, we, we've talked... The last episode, I believe, we talked about um, Dusty to Krusty mm-hmm. with, you know, yeah. don't buy into the, you've got to buy a $1,000 fly rod. You can buy, you know, uh, two generations ago technology, still catch the shit out of yeah, fish yeah. with it. Yeah. And the same thing goes with skiffs. You might not be able to afford, you know, uh, a $30,000 bare bone skiff. Mm-hmm. But you could buy something else and uh, potentially, you know, roll that and roll that and eventually get to the point where you could get a new skiff. Um, so it's just food for thought. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I've uh, worked with people that have done similar things, you know, through the years, found a deal on something that was you know, left out in the sun for a little too long, cleaned it up and kind of moved on and moved on, moved on. Um, and you know, if you can do it, great. It's not, I mean, it's not super easy. It's, you can't be scared of it, but, um, if they're all running as you go, you get boats. I think it's the thing. If you can find a, a, you know, the framework that's there and you find a good hull and you Mm -hmm. can find a good motor and, and then you can just kind of build from there. You know, I, I built them for what I wanted, but also didn't go too crazy. So right. colors will always stay pretty neutral. And right. I want to make sure that it was the next guy would want it. Um, and that's really kind of what I the purpose behind right. all of it. So the real test is one simple question. Would you do it again? Absolutely. 
So I would, um, I guess that's part of the game of it too. So what I started to realize, you know, after boat four or five, I just, it became more of a, where, where did my fun lie? Was it in using them or was it building them? And it was kind of a mix of both, but it was also kind of the hustle in between. Mm -hmm. So it was figuring out, planning it, sketching it. What did it look, what did the finished product look like? What did that, how did I piece it together? Where did I find the parts? Um, and it was that hustle and bustle of, of getting the boat to the finished product. And then when did I realize it was actually done? Right. The, the part with the pathfinder was I finally got to the skiff that I really wanted. Um, so it was really hard to let go of at the end mm-hmm. because it yeah, because it's 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 you yeah. So that like everything I wanted was dialing. So so when you sold it, you obviously came to a conclusion of what the value was to you, and did you sell it on marketplace or Craigslist? Uh, I think it was he hit me up on market. I had it on both, and he hit me okay. up on marketplace. Okay, so. Was there a part of you that was like, I have to sell it to the right person? Absolutely. Um, and like somebody, somebody comes in, they've, they got that, that fat stack of cash in their, in their pocket. You can see it. You know, you're like, you excited? No, that's cash. He's not just excited mm-hmm. to see me. It's mm-hmm. cash in that pocket. <laughs> um, but he's talking some crazy shit and like suddenly this isn't the guy I want to sell to. Yeah, I had to make sure the boat went to the right hands. Um, and uh, I sold it to a, a kid that's in college at UNF up in Jacksonville. Okay. Um, he was in, does, I guess he's majoring, I think, in construction is what he told me. And he had actually been watching the boat for about three to six months. So I had it on, I had it up for sale for six months. And it mm-hmm. was one of those things like, let me put it up for sale, see what happens. I'm not going to take the first person that buys it. Like, and I'm not going to take the second or probably the third. And it, and I don't really want to sell it, but mm-hmm. I'm not using it as much as I wanted to. So it was more about, can I give it, you know, can I sell it to someone that's going to make the best out of it? Um, and the kid came around and he really wanted it and he had saved up about half. Um, and then his dad m- met him halfway. So which I thought was really, really cool mm-hmm. the story behind mm-hmm. it that, the kid's dad had a Pathfinder 22, so I felt really good about... It's going to the right family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's like a NBC boat group family yeah. right <laughs> here, right? And I'm just like, okay, it's going to the right hands, right, um, right. you know, because they love the brand itself. Mm-hmm. So felt good about that. Um, and I met up the kid one day, and he was about to graduate, and he had a, had his kind of like what he wanted to do after he graduated all in line and kind of you know seemed like he had all the stuff together and mm-hmm. responsible and... Um, he was looking at the boat for months that I had it up there and finally was able to make it work out. Mm-hmm. So I just had one, um, you know, kind of proposition for him was like, if I sell you this boat, you need to use the hell out of this boat. Like mm-hmm. you need to take your friends out on this boat. You need to run the hell out of it. You need to break it. Like whatever it is, man, like use it, mm-hmm. just have some solid memories with your, with your buddies on this boat and your girlfriend or whoever. And I was like, and whatever you do with it, have a blast, man. Like, I was like, send me pictures down the road of you guys just crushing whatever it is you're doing, yeah. but just have fun with the boat. And and he was like ecstatic all about it and mm-hmm. cash transaction at a boat <clears> ramp <throat> and then it was done. Nice. And then I, now, yeah. now, have you received any updates? Have you got any pictures of them crushing it? No, no updates. Um, Damn it, man. But that boat somewhere lives in Jacksonville and it, um, you know, I'm always curious where it lands. So if you're listening... Send me those pictures. Send pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hashtag dreamboat. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to segue a little bit here 
and I think this is the right time to do it. I know Ben and I were talking about this earlier. Um, the Meat Eater podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, which, completely honest here, I've never listened to the Meat Eater podcast. Um, I know what it is. I know who, you know, Steve Ranella, right? Uh, I know who it is. They just released, um, and they did a good job. They had a lot of, a lot of influencers, mm-hmm. um, you know, putting out content, hyping it. It's Dust Boat. It's uh, a series of videos, and the first episode is out, which I have watched. Um, Steve Ranella finds a boat and purchases this old aluminum boat and it's traveling around the country um, and each person that he he starts fishing with JT Van Zant um, and they do some they, they take the old motor off they put a new motor on do a you know a few like make sure this boat is safe and and seaworthy kind of things to it and they go out and they fish for redfish um, they fish a little bit fly fishing. They fish a little bit of conventional tackle. It's the catalyst for some very quality discussions on, we have different user groups, but we all agree redfish are cool. Yeah. Ben, you've seen it. Yep. Carl, have you watched it yet? Uh, I've seen some teasers and stuff. I haven't had a chance to, d- to dig, dig in. Chris, have you watched it yet? No, not yet. Okay. I, I would recommend it's, it. It's worth it. It's worth awesome. it. It's, you know, 25 minute, um, it's on YouTube, I believe. Yeah, YouTube. I think that's where I watched it. The uh, do you think that uh, like our friend April Vokey, uh huh? Do you think that was kind of a segue into maybe the series or something? Does she have anything to do with that? You know, because she started with the meat eater people. Well, she, I'm thinking yeah, she's part yeah. of part of that whole group syndicate, right? Right. Uh, you know, she's uh, you know. All of her content's coming out through them now, mm. uh, which was a, a shrewd business move on her part. Um, the first episode that I watched, um, the only episode that's out, I found interesting. Um, you know, they, they're they combining a, a good amount of just good organic humor mm-hmm. about like you know we just talked about your boats and we've talked about boats that you've had you know owners bring in and say i want to get work done this boat so far really it's an old like, i want to say it's, it's an alumacraft it's an old alumacraft like deep v yeah deep v boat yeah. and the funniest thing is i want to say it had an old johnson 40 horse on the back and it has it. It actually like has uh, split controls, so you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Throttle, throttle, and, and shift, and shift. Yeah. But it's not really working that well. And of course, the motor was like fifty years old. So the first thing they did was, all right, let's put a reliable motor on the back. And mm-hmm. of course, probably their sponsor is. Uh, they, they put a Honda. They on put it. a Honda on Honda it. Honda forty. And what I thought was really cute and funny um, was they put a tiller on it but they left the the helm station <laughs> and the steering wheel 
And, and you know, Steve Rinella is joking with the the guy that's going to take the old motor off and put the new motor on. He's like, "Yeah, let's just leave all this up here because you know, you know, with you know shooting this." If we do it the right way, it can look like we're still driving the boat, you know. <laughs> and, and of course, you know they're showing Steve Rinella like driving yeah. the boat, yeah. and then like the shot widens out, and JT Van Zant's back there running the <laughs> yeah. tiller, and I'm like, that's so pretty, it's, you it's know, pretty funny. It's pretty that's funny. Awesome. Um, and you know, JT Van Zant is a fly fishing guide down in Texas. Um, he, you know, very very well respected uh, guy down there. And Steve Rinella is just like, that's not his jam, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you know, he, uh, hence, meat eater. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when he goes fishing, he's trying to do the most efficient means to put a fish in the cooler because mm-hmm. he's planning on eating it. And it leads to some interesting discussions. We're not going to go into too great a detail about it, but I will say, so far, it's pretty worthwhile watching. Well, mm-hmm. and I think the cool thing from the trailer is each guy who winds up with it. I think that they're going five states and ten different guys fishing it. Each guy gets twenty four hours to modify the boat how they want. So you know what? This well, well, and and, and to yeah. speak to that, and yes, you're absolutely one hundred percent correct. If you look at the um, the logo, this boat is like in different pieces and it's sim it's a symbol of the different modifications that are made because in episode one there it's an old 14 foot aluminum craft and jt van zant doesn't have the option of pulling this boat because there's no pulling platform he doesn't have a push pole so he actually gets out and pushes the boat like just walks behind it pushing it along but then in later episodes, you know, teasers for next, you know, episode, there's a polling platform on the boat. So, yeah. like, and, and it has traveled through Florida. Uh, I believe they may have taken it to the Keys or I at bet, least the West bet. Coast yeah, or, something. The Keys or something. And, and Ooh, did yeah. some tarpon fishing yeah. in it. But um, so it's it, here. Here's yeah. where I was struck. Um, I immediately when I saw that it's going to be passed from person to person, because at the end of the episode, he says to JT, I hope you enjoyed this. I'm leaving it with you. And he's like, you're leaving it with me. He goes, yes, I'm leaving it with you in hopes that you know who's the right person to get it next. And then they can fish it, but you have to trust them to, take it to the next person right and it's it Mm -hmm. so immediately i was like dude this is clyde right yeah that's what it is yeah Yeah, it's it's boat clyde and i you know i'm thinking if there's not one on it yet that boat 100 needs a drake sticker on that boat oh yeah yeah, yeah, that'd be super cool that's the tip of the cap that is is got to be done that is what's going on Right. Um, it's it's the the Clyde concept yeah. being applied to a boat. There was another the what what jumped out at me, and I didn't know the rest of the story with how it continues like that. But um, the big group that does like Motor Trend Magazine, or the, the whatever that group was, you know, got into obviously YouTube stuff and right. and newer, and they had a show called Roadkill, where they'd go and find 
like junkyard fine side of the road cars, fix them up in the auto parts store parking lot or the junkyard parking lot or whatever, uh-huh. and then take it on a road trip. Okay. Half of them don't have like windscreens, and they they never the one of their jokes they never have hoods. So they're always like overheating and crap and right, you know. Um, and that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, man, that's a lot like yeah. a, a boat boat roadkill. I'm I'm excited to see how it progresses yeah. and how it plays Seems out. Fun. I, I would bet at some point it's going to get like oarlocks. Oh, you, you know what I mean? And go somewhere real weird, like go I to the mountains and do that. Believe it or not, like spoiler alert, um, I think I saw when it was like Sean Clips for next scene, the dude from in Austin who fishes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Devereaux. Yes. Alvin, I think. Yes. I think yeah. That's correct. Right, yeah. um, he's, uh, I, I think he's really good at like the, the bass fishing. Yeah. Uh, on I know fly he, rod. he does the devils a lot and the Guadalupe bass. Yeah. All that. And it showed him rowing it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there you go. We're going to do some, and Carl, you're you know, like a so episode two. You profit you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Profit. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm, you know, for, for, a, a a show that when I watch the trailer, um, I want to say after, um, also, you know, it was after Sims Yeti may have even been in on it, you know, like a, a bunch of different Instagram platforms mm-hmm. were like saying, Hey, check out this Just, show, yeah, check yeah. out this show. And I was like. Just the trailer, I was like, "Okay, you've got." I, yeah, I'm yeah. interested. I gotta check this out. I, I'm gonna check this yeah. out, and uh, I watched it, and I'm impressed so far. And, yeah, and I even after just watching the trailer, I saw it first on AFTA's um, Instagram feed, and I made the comment, "How refreshing! Actual quality." fun content mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so looking forward to it and yeah. it did not disappoint and i mean you guys are are probably almost exactly like like me in that i've always really liked fishing like television Yo, yeah. the spanish flies and the whatever i was like yeah. sh- fishing can wait i gotta watch a show first and i'll go <laughs> right. really fish later yeah because <laughs> yeah. it 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 that's how I kind of learned. It's the stoke lot. level, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like you know, you watch Jose on Saturday morning, and you're yeah. like, "Dude, I'm I fucking going to go do that. Yeah. That is so fucking rad." But you know, at some point along the way, when you know new shows come out or whatever, I'm like, oh, "I've seen that before. That's uh-huh. all right. I'm okay." You know what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah. It has to be something a little bit wild, or maybe it's a little too wild, like. I don't fish in the Seychelles. I'm good. Right. You know what I mean? So there's like, yeah, like there's, I felt like it kind of washed out for a little bit, but with, especially with the, even small people, it doesn't have to be like big meat eater production. You know, I'm like, Hey, I like that. That's cool. That's something different. So some kid had an idea and he can pull it off cause he doesn't have to sell it to anybody. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. He's just like, yeah. Hey, I've already got the, mm-hmm. you know, the backing, the backing's there. Right. All I got to do is say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Right. And everybody went, Damn, that's a good idea. Get my dumbass buddy to hold this camera. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, you know, talking about the going to the Seychelles. Yeah, would I go to the Seychelles? Fucking a tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, if yeah, somebody yeah. else is if somebody else is floating the note, right. right? But you know, Ted and I went 
to the Gaspé Peninsula and went fishing for Atlantic salmon. And when I got back, I shared pictures. Spoiler alert. There were... I don't think there were any sunset pictures, but, you know. I didn't see any. Sunset picture would be indicative. Mm -hmm. Uh, I call them skunk set pictures. Right, right. We got skunked. We didn't catch a fish. Mm -hmm. But anyway, somebody noticed that, you know, hey, we're in the gas bay or whatever and made a comment and said, hey, what lodge did you stay? And I was like, lodge? Mm -hmm. Way above my pay grade. Right. Like, you know, no, we did it. Like stayed in the passenger seat of the car on the way home. We we did (laughs) DIY. And, you know, same thing. Like, you know, I've never gotten into watching shows where it's like, this week we're at such and such lodge, you know, it's like, I'll never do that. You know, would I do it? Sure, if somebody else is paying for it. But, you know. More so than the money factor, I think the path that I've taken, I get way more joy out of going and tackling an area right. and doing something on my own. Oh yeah, based on the research I've done, and and then either either successful or not successful. It's always successful because right. you've gone there, you've experienced it. Right, right. And and you know, I'll give more of a an overview because what a fucking awesome trip I had going up there. Uh, it's going to be like probably take up a whole segment, Mm -hmm. but, uh, why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we can absolutely, we can probably start talking about next segment brought to you by uh, Canadian tire, right? Oh, for sure. So, uh, that, that was one of the highlights of the trip is, uh, (laughs) I actually got my my picture taken mm-hmm. at Canadian, Canadian Walmart, <laughs> and and you know what? Um, I found out a little something that uh, they actually give out this stuff called Canadian Tired Bucks, and I brought some home for Mark. Oh yeah, he's not here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, that that was one of the little trinkets I brought back. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna take a little break get another cold beer and we'll be back momentarily to grab some refreshments and a uh, little shout out to Kevin Reynolds um, enjoying the Sideward Brewing NAR Florida Weiss that you brought me excellent brew thank you sir so uh, leading into the break I alluded to the fact that uh, rather than going up to Charleston last weekend for 
the uh, Flood Tide event, I had the opportunity to head up to Canada to meet up with Ted and do some fishing up on the Gaspé Peninsula for Atlantic salmon. Um, let me tell you, what a freaking adventure we went on. So, uh, Ted is an awesome friend. Um, I flew into Burlington, Vermont. So, uh, he headed down, picked me up at Burlington and Ted took me back kind of like back road. Um, so that we went like across the border at like a really small border crossing. Mm -hmm. Does that make flying a lot easier? Like if you fly from Florida to Vermont, it's probably like easy. But if you're going to go internet, like if you flew oh yeah yeah Canada, it'd be like check double check. And yeah blah, blah, you, blah, 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 yeah blah. like yeah. when you fly internationally, it's like you know you have to present your passport before you get on right. and all that stuff. So I'm flying American uh, departure to American arrival. So it's like quick getting picked up in a car right. and then crossing at a at a you know border crossing in the car for sure. So I Ted's think. a what do they call him? A mule. He's a mule. A coyote. He's a coyote. Yeah, he's a coyote. Um, so when we pull up to the Canadian border, um, the Canadian border guard was actually a freaking super cute Canadian chick. And... Mountie uniform? No, Well, no, almost like the, you know, yeah, similar yeah. uniform that you would see to... Uh, like our customs of border protection yeah. people wearing, you know, I, I think you'd be like confused. You, you'd, it'd, it'd be hard to pick an American border guard from a, a, a Canadian border guard from yeah. what I saw, but you know, she's packing heat the whole, mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, she's like ready for, you know, the invasion and, uh, you know, got the typical questions, you know, why are you visiting Canada? Where are you going? Stuff like that. But it was, it was pretty cool because, all of it was with like the super thick French accent. And one of the last questions, well, like how long are you, how long are you planning to be here? And I was like, Oh, we're just fishing for the weekend. I'll be, I'll be back out of here, back down U S uh, by Monday. So after we, after we pull out and you know, now we're crossed into Canada, we're driving. I was like, Ted, I'm kind of disappointed, buddy. He's like, what do, you, what do you mean you're disappointed? I said, you Canadians are typically very proper, very, you know, nice. And I haven't even made it into the country yet. And you're already asking me when I'm fucking leaving. <laughs> like, what kind of manners is that? He's like, that's not what she was doing. <laughs> so we, uh, we stayed in Montreal. Or just outside of Montreal at Ted's place that night. Um, very interesting. So Ted cooked pork chops for dinner um, my first night there in Canada. And the pork chops Ted got from a local butcher. And he's like the third generation in his family going to the same butcher. And I was like, damn that's pretty kind of cool yeah, yeah yeah you know and and super super good food um 
So the next morning, we get up, and our first stop, any guesses? I'm going to go, what's the Canadian Duncan? Tim, uh, Tim Hortons. 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 Tim Hortons. We stopped at Tim Hortons. You're damn right. Absolutely disgusting. <laughs> so, so I don't know, and I've, I didn't ask Ted because I wanted to wait and talk about it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. What is it with Canadians and putting lettuce and tomato on breakfast sandwiches? I don't know, but that sounds uh, gross. It does. Something was lost super in translation. Gross. It sounds super gross, but it's actually pretty damn good. No, I was sal- like salads for lunch. Okay, so <laughs> so you know, I was I was a little taken back uh, when I opened the wrapper. I was like, "Holy shit, this has lettuce and tomato on it!" But like when I ate it, I was like, "All right, I'm I'm kind of down with this." Mm-hmm. Um, so we did. We stopped at, at Tim Hortons, and um, kind of a cool side note. Um, Ted's lovely bride is full 100% member of the mighty Bohawk tribe. Um, she's native North American. Um, the Tim Hortons that we stopped at before we got on the road headed to Gas Bay is there on the res. And we go through, just like you would here in America, order your food. But the last question that they ask you when you're paying is something about, do you have a number? And Ted's like, yep, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, okay, cool. Which totally absolves you of paying taxes on your purchase because... It's on the reservation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Well, not not that it's on the reservation, but you have have knowledge of knowing what that number is because you're a member of the tribe and by virtue of that... And, you know, what we saved 32 cents. So I felt fucking super important. Right. You know, I'm like, fuck, yeah, we're Mm -hmm. VIP. So we get on the road and, um, I mean, shit, mile, two miles into it, I'm already seeing, be fucking careful, there's moose about signs. I was going to say, probably some meese. Dude, there are meese signs (laughs) fucking every (laughs) other kilometer. (laughs) (laughs) and so the trip that we made up to gas bay i'm i think we had talked it was like supposed to be like six hours i'm it might have been six six and a half we we kind of like said okay this is no different than us leaving orlando headed to key west it's kind of you know we're leaving montreal we're going to gas bay it's Mm kind of like going to key west and that was about the amount of time that it took um easy drive up super awesome like just seeing the amount of rural countryside that mm-hmm. exists up there mm-hmm. uh, was pretty pretty neat i mean i you know i've been to canada as a kid it's been so long ago i don't have vivid memories of it but i, I was kind of taken back by how rural it really was um we roll into town, which is, of course, really not town at all. Um, it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. and It's a, tra- it's a trading post. Uh, pretty much. Pretty and they, much. And they still <laughs> accept pelts. So, so as we're going up, we knew that we already had... Um, Ted had, had drawn the privilege the permits to fish on friday and saturday so as we're going up he says hey if we get there early enough 
do you want to see if there's any permits available for the public section of one of the rivers and we'll fish the afternoon i'm like yeah i'm down with that i needed a a new fly line um so i was like let's go to the fly shop first um we went to the fly shop i got a a cold water eight weight fly line um got that switched out on the reel and then we went to the river society so in order to fish a salmon river in canada you have to have the proper permit it's 100 percent catch and release but they really control access to the water and i'm still not 100 percent clear basically these river societies each river has like a river society and they're basically a conservation group that it's their task they're government endorsed they're not a government agency but they're fully supported by the government as far as like the authority that they have over this river to control who can fish there when you can fish there so as to limit the number of people fishing on the river at one particular time so we stopped at the river society for where we were going to fish on friday and saturday and we had to pay our and, and, and get our permits so i had to get my fishing license and then the permits for the following two days so once we had that all locked down we drove several kilometers away another 30 45 minutes and went to a different river that has public opportunities which public opportunities means you can fish there if there's they they refer to it as rods if there's a rod available in other words you can purchase the privilege of having a rod on the river um there might be four or five areas on that river that apply to that public space versus the other areas are like permit only so we got those um and off we went we're gonna fish the water in the river that we fished the first day on thursday was gin clear like crazy like it's looking through glass Hmm. to see the bottom super cold water it was kind of rainy and overcast and the water's super cold so like there's a little thin film of fog coming off the water and we picked this you know one area that we're able to go to and we're working our way up the river and it's like very like it's just it looks great you know so we're setting up, we're stringing up rods, we're ready to start fishing, and there's a fucking beaver. <laughs> and that fucking beaver no stinking badger. swims around in that fucking pool, and apparently salmon are like neurotic, and you can't fuck with the water that they're staying in too much, because if you do, they like, like get lockjaw. And this fucking beaver is slapping its fucking pow, fucking slapping its tail. And it would like, oh, you didn't, you didn't hear me? Pow, 
And I'm like, you motherfucker. I made a cast. Strip, strip. Beaver on, baby. No way. Yeah, I did. You I did. It. I taught that some bitch a lesson. <laughs> beaver on, baby. And then I was like, oh, shit. What am I going to do with this? With an angry beaver. Yeah, what am I going to do with the angry fucking beaver? beaver. <laughs> and beaver became disengaged. And I stripped everything back in. And I was like, holy shit. Ted, look, I got beaver fur on my fly. <laughs> so we moved to a different pool and um, fished a little while. Um, I think we moved to another location, then we came back to the original beaver spot, and uh, we saw several salmon that were uh, sitting kind of in an eddy super late in the day. Lights getting low, kind of fishing's over, and... Uh, we both agree. All right, it's time to time to pack it up, and we were we were staying that night. And I'm sure I'll butcher this because I'm not French, but it's like Lake ha, Lake Cash. Um, put it was like three words. Like I'm missing a word in there, and um, we put everything away in the car. We, we jump in. Ted's got a, a forerunner, and all of these spots are off the road. Like you, you take like an access road to get to it, but the road that you're turning off of, we would call an access road in the state. So it's like the access road from the access road. It's all gotcha. gravel. But basically, if you can, if you could close your eyes and imagine a logging road, muddy, gravelly, you know, off-road kind of experience, that's the main road. So when we pull back up to the main road, Ted looks over at me and says, okay, I saw a sign when we were coming up here. If we hang a left, we've got 80 kilometers and we'll be where we're staying tonight. I'm like, okay, cool. But then Ted says, but I want to go back down the mountain and make sure that I saw that sign correctly. Mm. I'm like, Okay, so we hang a right and we go down a couple of clicks. He's like, "Oh, that's the sign right there." So we stop and we look back over our shoulder, and sure enough, it says, "Le blah blah blah, eighty kilometers." I'm like, "All right, cool." He goes, "Well, if we do this road, it saves us from backtracking back to the highway and then driving over the mountain to get there." And I was like, hey, dude, I'm down. Whatever. You know, 80, 80 kilometers, let's do it. So we whip a fucking Yui, and we start back up this gravelly dirt road. And, you know, I'm not really calibrated for kilometers, but uh, I would say within a 5K, I'm starting to notice that uh, the air quote road starting to get kind of narrow. Now it's, it's like almost a, dark. A logging trail. It's almost dark. <laughs> it's kind of rainy. It's super windy out, and we're going uphill. Like we're going into the fucking mountains. And with every kilometer that goes past, this road <laughs> is becoming more and more to me like a trail. <laughs> and 
I start noticing there's there's a lot of signage. Canadians love signs, okay? And I'll come back to that shortly. Like, their idea of road signs, they don't like to use words. They like to use pictures. But this was helpful in this case because as we're going up the mountain and the road is becoming narrower and narrower, <coughs> I keep seeing signs on my side. I'm on the passenger side. And every time it's like, has some kind of kilometer designation and it, it, but it's the picture is clearly to me a skull and crossbones holy crap I was just about to say that <laughs> no no it was either one of two things they alternated it's it was a four wheeler <laughs> or a snowmobile <laughs> and so I'm trying to be a polite guest I don't want to be the fucking dirty, you know, the the, the, the the dirty cop, the dirty American, you know, like the you know. backseat driver. Yeah. So I'm just like keeping my pie hole shut and we're still we're, we're we're going up and winding around. And now we're not really on a gravel road anymore. It's just mud. It's two mud strips with that grass in between. Like, you know, like that rural, you know, it's, we're on a trail at this point. And the funny thing is you've got Larry, the American Ted, the Canadian, and probably a 20 minute discussion from the time that we whipped a Yui till we finally settled on we're going to die. How, no, how far <laughs> we're going. Because I was like, how far did you say it was? 80 kilometers. Well, what's that in miles? Well, I think it's about. And I was like, well, hold on. Is it about? And like, and we're doing like math and, and you know, are you sure about that? Well, I think it's 1.6 per. And, and if we did them. And finally, I was like, hold on a second. I got an idea. On your speedometer, it's in kilometers. Yeah. Does it have the miles on the inside dial? Yeah. I said, well, what's 80 kilometers? 45. Okay. So 45, but we're going to average, because of this fucking road, a.k.a. trail, about 20 miles per hour. So we're looking at about two hours that's going to take us to get across. And Ted's like, no, no, no. More like, like, like you know, a little, a little over an hour. It's not going to be that slow. But then it gets slower. <laughs> and slower and now we come around this like long sweeping left turn and as we come around there's like a tree that's blown halfway down (laughs) over the trail (laughs) but we're able to get through under it and now like there's brush against the sides of the truck not not quite that tight not quite that tight but it's pretty close and and there's so been there's a couple of uncomfortable on both of our parts. Um, kind of like, <laughs> dude, uh, <laughs> what, what if what if we go around the corner up here and there's a tree that's actually across the road? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Ted, you ready to back the fuck back down the mountain? <laughs> no, no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Okay, dude, yeah. you're the one driving. <laughs> yeah. You're the one driving. I mean, I don't see how we can turn around at this point anyway. But sorry, right. sorry, Ted. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry. So that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. a picture with Ted with like the. Uh, yep. Every bump. Oh, like sorry, sorry. He's scratching the thing. It's, sorry, sorry, car. So, so we, we we've got the windshield wipers on because it's fucking raining. 
Oh, good. It's raining, too. And it's dark, dude. It's dark as fucking a coal miner's ass. And the the twins from The Shining popped up. So so as we're, we're cruising along, we, like, end up putting the windows down. But then, it like, it's it, it, the temperature's dropping, and Ted's like, it's down to 17. I'm like, 17 who? Whatever that means. Right. But it's cold. <laughs> and I'm on the windy side, like, because I'm, I'm on the side where if he happens to drift off to the right <laughs> a little bit, we're going down the embankment mm-hmm. a thousand feet. Um, and so... It's some, and this is the crazy thing. Honestly, no, no bullshit about this. Ted announces at some point, he's like, "Dude, we've been on this for like two hours." I'm like, "Are you shitting me? We've been like going for two hours now." Like that's how like yeah. sensory overload it was. It was like we've been on this road for fucking trail for two hours, and like I would have swore we were on it for twenty minutes. Right. And it's gotten narrower, and we're like. And, and, and there's been a few turns, too, right? You know, it's like, but there's always lay cash that way. Yeah, yeah. And so we're like, okay, fuck it. We go that way until now. We're coming kind of down, and it's like, because it's still raining, there's puddles that are getting deep. And I'm like, dude, don't go through the deep puddles, because I don't know how deep, like, you know, like, try to fucking go around them. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm becoming, like, you know, Mr. Sensibility at this mm-hmm. point. And we're like easing through this stuff, and we're like kind of <laughs> we fucking made it. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, oh shit! And there's a fucking fork in the road, right? Oh, no sign. No, there is a sign. No, no. There is a sign. Some sick son of a bitch <laughs> put a sign at a fucking clear Y in the road where that the V of the Y yeah. meets. There's a sign. And it says Lake Cash with a straight fucking arrow. Well, would you like fucking tip that son of a bitch to the left or the right a little bit for me, would you? Please? No, it just says straight. So Ted opts for left. Left is straight. In S- Canada. In Canada. <laughs> so we're like f- heading down through there. And it, and it did say like Lake Cash, 20 kilometers. Now we're back to math. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, so we're doing an average of all right. And and I'm I'm doing I know what a five K is. A five K is a three point two mile run, so a ten K is uh six point you know, and uh, all right, I kinda have an idea how long this is gonna take. Ten kilometers later, there's a sign that says Lake Ash, and it's just like keep keep trucking, fella. You know, come on, come on, keep coming. 10 kilometers. I'm like, dude, we're halfway there. This is fucking awesome. We're, we're, we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Then we see in the next sign. 15 kilometers. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> are <laughs> you start over shitting again? me? What the fuck? It was 20, 10. Now we're back at 15. This does not make sense. And as we do the curve, there's a sign for narrow bridge ahead. Now, I'm already duly invested in the idea that I'm on a four-wheeler trail at this right. point. And I'm like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, we've been on the road now for two hours and 20 minutes. We're going to come up to a fucking bridge <laughs> a that only yeah. a fucking four-wheeler can get across. It's going to take us six hours to back out. Now, one of the details that I've left out, 
it's so goddamn dark at this point. Like even with high beams on, it's like we've we've talked about how oh my god, like everything's so dense. Like it's so like <laughs> if if something happens, dude, like we're screwed. Like nobody, nobody's going to hear a scream. (laughs) And, and, and Ted had taken to like probably the last, over the last hour, about every five to 10 minutes, he would blow the horn, but it was like the most muffled, like non sound traveling blow of the horn that you've ever heard. And we'd be like, Jesus Christ, you can't even fucking hear the horn. Like it's like (laughs) insane. So, here comes a bridge and we're like we're both but at this point we're both like dude we're so screwed we are so screwed and as the bridge is coming up we see a sign that has like a logging truck a regular truck and something else and it was like weights and kilograms or whatever and I was like, fuck, if a fucking logging truck can cross this bridge, we're good. And it was. It was a super narrow bridge, and we went across it. And then, like, a couple of minutes later, we come down. Last joke of the fucking cross-mountain expedition mm-hmm. was no sign saying which way to go to Lacash, But we came out to a bigger road. We're like, it's like a logging road. Mm-hmm. And it's only marked by a sign that says... Detour, (laughs) but it doesn't say detour left or detour right. It just says detour. So we collectively decided that we would turn left, and if we didn't see something within ten kilometers, we would circle back and go the other way. Within about three kilometers, we found pavement, hung right, and arrived where we were supposed to for that night. But um, that was how (laughs) it all started. But, uh, so, uh, the, the next couple of days we spent, uh, fishing the grand cascopedia, um, pretty awesome, uh, remote, no cell phone service. I just looked, I was just looking it up where you guys might've been. Uh huh. It's yeah. It's it's not a lot of markings on the, no, uh, it's it's pretty, pretty remote. Um, one of the highlights of my trip within, 20, 30 minutes of my first full day on uh, the Grand Cascopedia. I wade across the river um, simply to get on the other side of the pool where I could be able to cast where I needed to. And I'm like, what's going on with my boot? Like, it's flopping. Like, what's going on? And like three quarters of the sole of my Sims boot had come off while I was crossing the river. So... I was able to find like some 30 pound uh, tippet material in my bag and I like patched together my boot as best I could with that and uh, fished for a bit. And then when we went back to the truck, Ted had some paracord. So I like really, you know, bucked it up with some paracord and it actually worked for the entire weekend. Um, I left my boots in Canada because I was like, you know what? They're done. Mm-hmm. They're like seven years old, time to get new ones anyway. Um, at the end of our first day on the Cascopedia, the, the Grand Cascopedia, um, we actually stayed in a cabin with a couple of Ben's buddies, um, James and Frank. And uh, 
they both fly fish up there all the time. They actually guide up there. Uh, they had a great day. We told them where we were fishing, and everything's designated as beats. And we were on 87 and 88 and 81 and 82. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, there should be fish at the bottom of this pool. And what flies are you throwing? You're flowing. Oh, yeah, you guys are doing right. You know, everything's good. And I actually did have a take on the first day. Uh, didn't hook up. But um, we, we spent the evening with uh, Frank and James. Had a great, you know, like... Um, I think uh, bratwurst for dinner with sauerkraut and mm-hmm. like some, and then, and then we drank a shit ton of wine. Um, had a good time, and um, everybody got in bed fairly early because I mean it's dark out there, not a lot going on. The next day, Ted and I fished again. Um, they actually went back into town, which is like an hour, hour and a half away but left the cabin for us to use. Um, so we used the cabin the second night and um, fished. And then the next, you know, got up the next morning to head back to uh, Montreal. But uh, amazing time. I, I loved it. The one, oh, let me back up. So the morning after we stayed with, uh, with Frank and uh, James, so I, I mentioned earlier, there's signs everywhere. Like every four or five kilometers, there's like these dramatic signs that are like showing truthfully the size of a car versus the size of a moose. <laughs> and, and and the sign, everything's in French up there, mm-hmm. all the road signs, everything. Mm-hmm. So like I really felt like I was like it was a real experience because I felt like I was in another country because I couldn't read the language, mm-hmm. right? And I was like what's that sign saying? He's like, it says you cannot prepare for this. It happens suddenly or something like that. It's basically saying, slow your ass down because you never (laughs) know what's going to happen. Right. (laughs) So all these signs like moose, 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 meese, meese, meese. Never saw one, but I did get to eat one because Frank hunts a lot and he had shown up to camp with moose and he made, like moose and bacon burgers for yes. breakfast with lettuce and tomato. Yes. And cheese. <laughs> and cheese. So, um, it was tasty and wonderful. Um, I had a great time. The only part of my experience in my trip abroad to the great white North was upon my return. And I'm sure because we have such a diverse Listenership that there's somebody from Customs and Border Protection that listens to our podcast, and please pass along. As an American, when I come back into the country, one of the joys, one of the prideful moments as an American that I have and that I've experienced is when I come back and you look at my passport and you ask me the goofy questions to make sure that I'm not, you know, Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda from Miami. Yeah. <laughs> that you ultimately relent in your pursuit of the truth and you say two simple words Welcome home. The fucking asshole at the border on the way back in did not welcome me home. So I made a smart ass comment 
to him Good about to be back. welcome home. Yeah. <laughs> welcome myself back. But he was already pissed off because um, Ted ran a stop sign going into the. Uh, so that may have like ruined the whole experience for him, not us. But um, so anyway, that that was the only thing. Like I, I want to be welcomed home when I it's, come home. It's a really good feeling when you hear those words. It, it really is, you know. And it's kind of cheesy, but at the same time, you know, it's pretty it's cool. Cheesy and meaningful. Cried out loud. <laughs> So anyway, that was my trip to Canada. Um, without boring everybody to death, uh, we survived the 80-kilometer trek over the mountains. We did not catch any fish, but we had a hell of a good time. We ate moose and uh, contributed to the Gaspé economy. And I had a fucking lobster roll that was amazing, fresh, like up on the the north end of Gas Bay, and my first time ever, I had poutine. Oh, it yeah. was good. Yeah, and I was I was honest with Ted leading up to it. I was like, <laughs> "Dude, I've seen pictures of it. Man, it looks gross. Like I, I I'm not sure. It looks like somebody puked on some French fries." He's like, "Oh, you're looking at it the wrong way. This is what it is." And we stopped at like the little hole in the wall, like place on the coast. Primarily because we had we had asked like where's the best lobster roll, and somebody told us, and we went there, and he was like, oh, they got poutine too, and, and let's get that, and we had uh, hot dogs. Like hot dogs are like actually a pretty big thing in Canada. Uh, steamed hot dog on a toasted bun, magnificent. So, I could survive there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. sounds, sounds <laughs> about right. Put some uh, gravy and cheese on French fries. Tie it all in with a with a hot dog. It's welcome home, Ben. Yeah, welcome, welcome home. home. <laughs> the uh, let's see what else I got for show notes. Oh, uh, so by the way, that little area is not Gas Bay Peninsula is not that far from the Flemish Cap. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, perfect um, storm. So update to the RCI tournament. Um, that we discussed. I think that we were we said something we shouldn't have last time, or we misquoted something. Well, it wasn't that we misquoted. I was not aware that there was a charity that was oh, benefited. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, by this tournament, so they did great too. They did so like a lot of money. They raised a ton, like eleven thousand dollars for Restore Our Shores. That goes to like habitat restoration in Mosquito Lagoon. So tip of the cap to RCI Optics for that uh, fun tournament to be a part of, even though I was a loser. Um, yeah. I had a blast. Um, Captain Alan Ryland put me on a lot of fish all day. I had a blast with him. If you ever need a guide in the Melbourne, Titusville, Grant area, let me know. I'll give you some recommendations. Alan's definitely one of them. Um I'm reading your notes. Yeah, one of them. I need Larry to be the his neighbor. Saw him at Blue Point. Uh, oh, Nick. yeah. Um, I don't know. Did we ever talk about this guy? Like know. the night that happened. So it's. I a, feel like we did. We might have. Um, local guy here, builder. Local hero, maybe. Yeah, local. Yeah, local hero. Um, if you go, if you launch out of River Breeze and go south, you will pass the Salt Life House. Um, have you seen it? No. It's like, okay, it's this huge elaborate house. Like it's like right up the road right there. It's on right on the river. Um it says Salt Life right on the side of the boathouse. And then Which his, I don't get. I don't either. Um and then his 
porch is like anodized aluminum like railings and basically he had all that done i think chris at blue point is the one who actually made them but he had it all done at blue point fabrications who makes your pulling platforms mm-hmm. and your grab bars and so, so his handrails cost more than my house so <laughs> a little intense. <laughs> yeah. it is intense it's not but huge so when i'm like a man i went monday really to nice. pick up the pulling platform for my skiff and i'm waiting for chris to bring it around and i see this dude pull up this huge boat and i'm like why do i know this guy and uh he walks up he's like looking at me with that look where i can tell he's like mm, maybe this guy's familiar i'm like hey how's it going he's like not much how about you how's it going and they're real nice he walks by. i'm like how the flip do i know this dude and so chris comes out i was like this guy's familiar he's like oh he's got that salt life house i was like oh i know him the snack guy <laughs> and he's like the snack guy so i explained it to him and didn't think it was as funny as I did, but snake guy yeah. shops at Blue Point like yeah. once every two weeks. Jen says he's there, just shows up to he say hey, like some brings new- like snacks and stuff yeah, for yeah. the for the crew. Well, once you're in that like <clears throat> frequent flyer club, yeah, uh, the frequent welders, right? Club, if you will. He knows how much handrails are. Next time, he's gonna drop by a pizza now and then, catch a deal. You know exactly. I mean? Um, um, so that was cool. Yeah. Um, quick touch on, I guess, uh, Taylor's ball. Oh yeah. October so dates, 4th. dates are out, Larry. I saw for that. For the ball. I'm actually signed up for the tournament. Oh, shizzle snits. Mm. Only because who I'm fishing with wants to fish the tournament. My friend Bill, my Clouser connection and crab connection out of Texas. He's going to come up and, uh, he loves fishing tournaments like that's like his jam so he's like dude we're gonna fish the tournament right and i'm like or we can just fish Mm -hmm. he's like we're gonna fish the tournament right and i'm like um if we must so we are Mm -hmm. that's the plan i I think win lose or draw i i would really like to do a extra maybe an extra half day this time to get up there and get sorted out I think we're not headed up on rushed. Thursday. Yeah, not okay. rush, you know. Because uh-huh. by the time you get settled, go out real quick, fish for a second, boom, boom, go to the party, boom, you're home, and it's gone. And yeah. you're like, whoa, what's up? Like, you know, right. that, that Thursday afternoon thing yeah. is much better. I got a lot of I, I got a lot of plans of places I want to eat while I'm up there, too. And yeah. My list yeah. is long, and uh, time is short. Yeah. I'm, uh, I guess, the... Uh, conventional wisdom prior to this week was that uh, the Royal American was going to be like a repeat um, location mm-hmm. for yeah. the Taylor's Ball but uh, that's changed um, it's a brewery but it's not it's a brewery it's been intercepted. Um, you remember where Cooper River is mm-hmm. Cooper mm-hmm. River is like a little bit south of the skate park mm-hmm. Yep. the new brewery is like north of Cooper River and just barely, I think, north of the skate park. So, like, you go up King Street, mm-hmm. and then you have to turn under the highway and come back down. It's as you're going up. It's on the left. So, it's, like, hmm. on the side that the skate park would be on, but yeah, the skate yeah. park's okay. further over. Yeah, gotcha. um, Looks like a great, great venue. Um, the thing that I'm excited about is that's Friday night. Saturday... 
after the, I guess, revelry mm-hmm. still is where the um, check-in for the tournament, um, I hate to call it a weigh-in because it's catch photo release. So the check-in for the tournament, after that, there's going to be an after party, which I've known about this since when Shannon and Wyatt and I were in Charleston, somebody spilled the beans uh, to us when we were up there, but we've been keeping our mouth shut. There's going to be a after party at Yeti. Oh, cool. Karaoke. All right. Yeah. It's going to be Yeti Oki. It's going to be a, now? a karaoke party. And I'm just like so looking forward to Paul Puckett getting some karaoke Paul, I, I want to hear Lawson sing like a canary. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess my, my question is being new is what's your song, Larry? Mm-hmm. You know, make you break your heart. It's no, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be like one of those at the moment kind of decisions. You'll, you'll know. It depends on like the mood, what, what the, the flow has been, like what people have been. Room, yeah. How the room's doing. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and, and it's like, do I just want to blend in or am I like, all right, it's time to fucking sh- show, show stopper. Yeah. yeah. Show out. I'm a, uh, I mean, I'm, so I'm, one, when was that? What, when would that be? That would be Saturday, Saturday night. night. Taylor's ball is Friday night. Okay. Um, Taylor's cup is Saturday Saturday night after the Taylor's Cup gathering at Revelry will be the Yeti shindig. So the only question is... They're counting on a lot of people being responsible drivers at a check-in at Revelry Brewing to make it to Yeti. Is it fu- it's it's you, far-ish, uh, Uber-ish, man. Is Uber. it uber Yeah, yeah well, but, it's Uber distance. So, yeah, yeah, but easy. I get what you're saying, but the... Uh, Everybody's got their boats. Everyone's got their boats. That's what happened the year I fished it. They just okay. This is the fourth year. You think people would have learned by now? Get off the water, drop your fucking skiff off, go to Revelry. Fair, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unless they have a big enough parking lot, they don't. Okay, they've got. It's a bunch of side streets, though. Yeah, yeah. So, so good point. And and as a public service, Ben is letting you know that if you're in town for the tournament. Get finished. Leave your boat. Leave your fucking car, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Grab an Uber um, to, to there, and then yeah, and, and home. Like yeah. it's you yeah. know, you're gonna spend twelve bucks getting there, twelve bucks getting home, or you know, ten grand on a DUI right. up in yeah. South Carolina. It's the best. And I mean, it's twelve dollars ever. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. You know, be sensible about. Although it. a lot of people there are from there for out of towners, that might be the first time Ubers. I think better there than... I mean, it's real good in Orlando, too. Yeah. Like it's one of those busy places. People go out. There's well, a we ton took, of Uber. We took yeah. Uber last year a bunch yeah. while we were up there yeah. for it. And yeah. so we're staying at the Staybridge Suites on the uh, Mount Pleasant side mm-hmm. of the river there at the bridge. And last year, I think most of our Uber rides for events, we were in there seven minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, Nothing. Dollar a minute. Here's seven bucks. Yeah. Thanks. You we know, did, it's like crazy. They had I mean, the XLs the uh-huh, year before yep. last. Mm-hmm. We all piled in the same ones and like easy peasy. Yeah. You're not waiting for them forever. No, not like at all. So, so that's the way to roll. That's definitely the, the only question um, I have is do we try to put together 
a little bit of a pre-party before um, Taylor's Ball. Like, you know, maybe put the word out, hey, yeah. stop by the hotel where we're staying. I think um, it'd be fun. Have a few beers, and then we'll call 17 Ubers, and everybody will go over to the to the event. Could do like it's a earlier this off. year. I think it starts at 5.30. 5.30. Yeah, isn't that earlier than last year? Because I thought it was like I almost dark. it was dark always when we like went. 6.30 or so. Maybe seven. What was the name of the band last year? Uh, oh, it was the it was surf a beachy band. thing. Yeah, it was the surf band. It was like dang it, the Extenders. No, it's Big Dick and the Extenders that plays down no, in, in the like Keys. The Hang Ten Band. Or no, something. it wasn't. No, it was like a pretty, pretty fucking raw name. No, it. I know it was weird, um, in a good way. They they sounded good. Yeah, they were great. Dang it. So. Anyway, we'll figure that out. Lawson, send us a uh, like a fact check on what the band name was. Yeah, please. <laughs> so um, I spoke to Andrew yesterday. Spent mm. about an hour on the phone with Andrew. And is is uh, he back? He's back. Um, getting ready to head back out west like in the next couple of days, I believe. He's got to go to Seattle next. Oh, but, that'll uh, be different. That'll be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the two weeks that he just spent in the desert, um, I don't want to talk too, too much about it other than to say he got first opportunity to do some uh, flying cool. for the filming that he was doing. And um, the highlight from what I took from our conversation, he actually sat in the very back, like legs dangling off the back of like the C forty seven, the Chinook. Oh, the two. Yeah, the twin rotor. Rotor, yeah. Like hauling ass through canyons, like seven ten feet off the fucking ground. That's badass. like one hundred and twenty knots. <laughs> and he, That's so cool. He said it was. He, he said it was like dream come true. Like pinch myself. Yeah. I'm getting paid to do this. That's awesome. Um, you know, he said he got he got. On the on the air on the bird, and uh, you know he's you know he's full flight suit helmet and all yeah. that, and he's like plugged into comms, and uh, the crew chief <laughs> was like, "Hey man, um, tosses him a, a lanyard." He's like, "You want to go sit on the back deck?" And he's like, "Hell yeah!" So he goes back and sits, and literally they're like sitting side by side with their feet swinging. And it's a two ship formation. They're in the lead ship, so they're they're facing backwards, going like 120 mm-hmm. knots through canyons, ten feet off the ground, with another Chinook right up behind them. And Andrew said it was like the craziest thing was like you could see the rotors from his bird and the bird behind him. It looked like they were like about to touch the whole mm-hmm. time. Wow, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So pretty cool to see that uh, he's living the dream. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm happy for him. We miss him, but yeah, happy we do. For him. Yeah, he's um, the reason I brought him up. His plan, and he he gave me his word. If you're listening, Andrew, your word. You're word, on the hook. That we're going to see him in Charleston. Sick. Well, that wouldn't be bad if he's not traveling. Yeah, it wouldn't be that bad. It's not no, that far. Huh? Yeah, it's not. He he was looking at just grabbing yeah. a Southwest flight down there. Nice. So I told him, either way. Fly into Charleston. I'll pick you up at the Charleston airport. For fuck's sake, fly into Orlando and drive up with us, and we'll t- yeah, bring you yeah, back. And you fly yeah, home, yeah. whatever. Because it's been a while since we've seen the kid, yeah. and uh, it'd be fun to have him along. 
no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good. Yeah, that, that, looking forward to that. I think we're going to, I don't know, we might talk to whoever about bringing Ben's boat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you got to talk to anybody. Just hook it up to the back of the truck and yeah. drag it up here. there. We're here. Yeah. We're rolling in. We, yeah. I, um... Are you taking yours, or are you going to... Oh, yeah. No, no, I'm taking mine. I, I figured, but... Um, yeah, because my, my buddy from Texas is coming I figured up. he wasn't going to, like, bring yeah. his gift yeah, they won't on the let, plane. They won't let him check in on Southwest. Mm. Well, that's rude. He should fly Delta. They're Aside cool. from Pretty the fact cool that he that. doesn't have one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Things um, you learn. So, um, this afternoon, um, I stopped in Titusville at the Flounder Creek Outfitters. Next weekend... They're having their annual, fourth mm-hmm. annual, catch and photo, catch photo release redfish tournament. Um, so if you're into that kind of thing, please get a hold of Nick. I think it's 25 bucks to get in it. It's catch photo release. There's like cash prize for the winner. I think it's total inches. But uh, double check that with and they him. Do, I believe they have a fly only section, a category too. They do. And he said that. You know, it's a fly shop. He said 90% of everybody that's in it is fly. Mm-hmm. They do have a spin, you know. I have a buddy who fished it last year and the year before, I believe. I know for sure last year. He said it was, it's a good time. Yeah, they, they have food and beverage at the end of it back at the shop. So uh, it's a great opportunity to get out and support. Meet local guys, so, too. Meet the local guys, mm-hmm. but support our local fly shop, mm-hmm. you know. Um while I was down there, after I wrapped up hanging out with them for a little bit, I went by Play Linda Brewing, mm-hmm. uh, the hardware location there in downtown Titusville, and put up a new library oh, cool. behind the location on the back alley. Because, um, you know, let's be honest, we're drinking beer, we're having a good time, cold beer after fishing good idea mm-hmm. so i yeah. thought what a better place to put it you know if you've been out in the refuge you, you know you fished you're coming back through titusville you can swing through grab a beer yeah. maybe a sandwich and there's a library but the real reason i wanted to bring up the library project is there's a ton of library projects that have been going up um you know tyler down at castaway customs has done super solid job providing the library patches um, that being said, flyberry patches and peeling the paper off the back and applying the adhesive is not founding a flyberry. And what I mean by that is when you put up a flyberry, take pride in the fact that you put it up and understand what the purpose is behind it. The purpose behind it is to encourage people to come together, to share flies, to maybe bump into each other. So, like, I'll make comments on the Flyberry Instagram page, you know, stuff like a Flyberry location with a lot of stickers is a loved Flyberry location. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. it kind of becomes like the little mini hub of whatever community you're in and, like, tend to it, you know? Yeah. Dude, I, over at my fly tying table right now, I've probably got 250 conservative estimate flies laying over there. I drive around in my truck. I've got plenty of flies. If I roll by any of the flyberries that are around here, which there's a lot of them, 
I always have flies that I can put on them. I, you know, I don't expect to grab a fly off of one. I enjoy putting flies on them. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying, if you're involved in the flyberry project, which I hope you are, keep feeding it flies. You know, there's occasionally we get comments on the Instagram, you know, I put up a flyberry patch and I put up a bunch of flies and they're all gone. Well, it's because it clearly says on there, if you need one, take one. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. put it up there knowing they're going to disappear. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the idea behind it. Yeah. And it's been fun. Like, so the other day I checked on Johan rolled through town and like, He's, unloaded a box. Yeah, he stocked the shit out of the so OG flyberry. You know what? I think the OG's got enough. I grabbed one. Uh-huh. And I thought it would be fun to, you know, go catch a fish on the fly, a little natural colored shrimp pattern, and then turn around and go stick that same fly on my flyberry down at Good Park in like Palm Bay, Florida. Right. And and that's the exact example that I think's important. I want to see more people taking a fly from a flyberry, catching a fish. Send me a picture of the fly and the flyberry location that you you got that from, and a picture of that freaking embarrassed redfish or snook or tarpon with that fly hanging out of their jaw. Because I'd like to start sharing and showing. Hey, look, man! If you go to the flyberry. Chris White may have been there and hung like one of his awesome flies on there that you took and you caught a fish as a result of it. Yeah. And you know, he would see it and make a comment and say, dude, that's awesome. That's my shrimp pattern. I'm glad that you caught a fish on it. And there's that little connection. And then who knows behind the scenes on a DM, they say, Hey Chris, man, what's the recipe on that fly? I mean, I, I, I see most of everything that you're using, but what are the, how did you tie this? Right. And it creates that connection. And that's really what I hope to see mm-hmm. growing well, and it's, the next level. It's cool. I've seen one person so far for sure on a fly. I left on the OG flyberry project, catch a fish on it. Cool. And that's super satisfying. Yeah. And, you know, right now I've gotten this, like, weird feeling that there's a lot of people that are, like, checking the box that, dude, I'm part of the flyberry project because I put one up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's it. They just, like, post it up somewhere and, like, they're done. Mm-hmm. And it's – and it, I don't want to be jaded, but it's, like, almost like because Tyler's so nice and he's providing those for free, it's easy to sign up and get a free one. But, like, make a commitment to it. Yeah. yeah that, w- that's what I think is I would important. say, and I haven't seen any up in Jacksonville yet, but every time I come down here, I make sure I go by the lab and I, uh-huh. and I drop a few flies on, I guess that's, is that the OG one? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's yeah. the original. So we drove by there today. Like, and when we came down for dinghy derby, I stacked it. And right. then, and we went there before they were even open. And then next thing I know, another car comes in and they're looking at the, yeah. and the yeah. fly library. And I'm like, the guy just took some of my flies. And I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like, and some are some that I tied some, there are some that I bought and I'm just, right. yeah. I just want to make sure that I'm contributing to it because right. that it's a pay it forward kind of thing. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that, the most important aspect of it. And I would say for anyone that's out there, like if you set one up, just have the understanding that, you may have to stock it for a while and that's okay because it's going to pay it forward to someone and then they're going to do the same going back. And I didn't set the one up at the OG, but I'm all about plugging it all the time and, sure. and mm-hmm. always dropping flies mm-hmm. on it. And whoever takes them, takes them. That's awesome. It's right. Just, and, just and you feeding, know what? There's going to be some people that take them that don't even fly fish. Mm-hmm. They're just taking them because they think it's 
dumb or they don't know what it is, but they think it's kind of, and, and they're like, honey, look what I found on a gas pump today. You yeah. know, yeah. I mean, or, or, or on the back of a sign, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but uh, at the same time, you're exposing them to fly fishing. And, and mm-hmm. if they happen to have paid any close attention to like a flyberry patch that came from Castaway, they may visit the Instagram feed and go, wow, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then they go, man, all the guys that fish conventional with me don't like do stuff like this. This is kind of cool. Maybe I need to look into fly fishing mm-hmm. a little bit. Who knows? Yeah. So that's that's the end of my soapbox about the Flyberry Project. Just, you know, share the experience when you take one. You know, take one, share the experience that you got from getting that fly from whoever the anonymous person was that put it up there. And maybe they'll recognize that you took their fly and you'll make a connection. It'd be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my skiff made a cameo appearance. Oh, I was gonna. That was something that I was trying to remember. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're kind of a big deal this well, week. No, 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 I'm not a big deal. My skiff is a big deal. I wasn't in that video at all. Really? No, no. My truck's in the video. Yes. My trailer's in the video. And my skiff yeah. is in the video. Um, all the video that happens on the water. I was on the polling platform pushing the skiff around that took the video. Uh, okay. But, uh, yeah, fun project. Um, this was back in February, March, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the title again? I can't remember. Uh, so people can look it up. It's a uh, Orvis presents, I believe it's called off season off season. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. And, uh, so it was during spring training, uh, leading up to spring training. Uh, Rick Porcello, a friend of mine, um, he's just like the rest of us, Ben. He's got the sickness. He loves to fly fish. And uh, he happens to be pretty tight with the guys at Orvis. And uh, they asked him if he would be willing to do a video because as a pretty accomplished professional athlete, he's at the top of his game. But he uses fly fishing to center himself and to to chillax and, and, and get his mind right for what he does. And we went out. I think we spent three days um, shooting video. And uh, having been through that entire process and seeing the volume of shooting that we did and to see what got edited down to that three-minute video was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, if, uh, if you guys haven't seen it yet, which, I mean, it's like two days old, so there's a good chance you haven't, go look it up. It's It's got some, some good music, some good camera angles, and it's just, some, it's just a cool little... The, the couple of edits that they did where the boat is being backed down, mm-hmm. and as the boat's being backed down, there's pilings, and the boat's kind of disappearing behind pilings and they do a transition to walking down the same dock and it's the weird it's like it's like uh, almost like fucking magic yeah it's it like, really is it's and seamless like, and then you think about what did i just see yeah you're like wait a second that was we-. and mm-hmm. the guys that shot it didn't edit it i don't know who did the editing they did all the raw footage because mm-hmm. when we were shooting and i was like so are you guys gonna like put all this together like no we just get the footage and then we've got 
you know, like a different different team, team that yeah. does the editing of it. So it was neat to see, you know, one group is doing all the raw, you know, raw filming, and then somebody else takes all that volume of stuff and goes, "Let me tell, let me tell a story with this." Yeah, yeah. And they, they did a pretty good job. So, well, uh, anybody else have any show notes? Anything that we need to touch on, talk so. about? Kind of covered mine. It. Yeah, yeah. It's been busy. It's been hot. I wish I was on my way to Seattle with uh with, with Andrew. Andrew. Cool out a little I'm bit. I'm trying to think there is Nope, that's in Portland, never mind. What's that? I was, I was fixing to give Andrew like a just random s- place that you need to go see. Place you need to go eat. Um, but it's in Portland. Um Seattle does have a place, Anthony's seafood that's really good though. Um it's a chain. Like well, kind of a chain. Like a chain for up there like a nicer fancy seafood restaurant that's really good and you should definitely check that out if he gets a chance i'm gonna talk about some weird stuff i've heard that uh, seattle's best coffee i think that's i think that's from there <laughs> seattle's most all right <laughs> seattle's most all right, um, all right. <laughs> there is uh okay we're gonna back up there's two things uh dutch brothers coffee's up there one of my favorites too there's these weird coffee huts um, that I've been, and that's, I, that's different than the coffee sluts that you see at well, Starbucks. We're getting there, so hang on. <laughs> um, I've, I'm not going to say privileged, but I have been like drug. My boss used to get a big kick, as most of you know from listening to the show. I'm a pretty like a conservative individual who's pretty bashful. Um, they used to get a big kick out of dragging me to places they thought I wouldn't necessarily like. I needed to broaden my horizons. There's a lot of, like, coffee. It's almost like a 10 by 20 shed of, like, chicks serving coffee in their underwear. Oh, it's really? Like the, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's like a Seattle thing. It's the fro- like the frozen drinks in Louisiana and New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 But it's like the yeah. Seattle coffee version. But they're in um, bikinis or just in yeah. underwear? What like lingerie. Whoa. It's, it's pretty pretty risque even though it was got so, a hot coffee so here. picture yeah. me in the back seat hot like coffee. she's like flirting up for the tip and i'm just like yeah yeah, i'll just take this coffee please <laughs> like a straight head of the headrest yeah yeah i'm good i'm good you miss cool. on the opportunities what if she just wasn't flirting for the tip <laughs> she's fine she'll live i got nothing <laughs> Ben's not in the the mood for giving out relationship advice on this episode, folks. Uh, yeah, I, I think the, the I mean the brain capacity for how long I've been up right. to like how spicy I can make relationship advice isn't there. Tonight. I'm gonna go with <laughs> don't go out of your way to date the lingerie broad the from a the coffee, coffee shed, right? And like 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 with <laughs> no, we're gonna, we're gonna fall into this because um, that same trip, the dude I was with, we went to Hooters. Um, and he always writes. Well, that's chicken wings. Wait, that's different. Stop, stop, stop. Yeah. He always <laughs> really writes different. his phone number on the receipt. Whoa! Uh, what? He, and his, he and his friends I've had this. Do that. That's that, lame. That, that, yeah. well, wait, it's wait. very lame. What's the conversion rate though? Like, how many you, times does he put the number down versus how unicorn many times he put Zero. Is it like um, the extended warranty? Supposedly, to That's the exchange rate. So, speaking <laughs> of exchange rate, when I was in Canada, it was quite refreshing. Oh, it's great. It's great. Like, so I, I went to the um, when when we we're like headed to get lobster rolls. I'm like, all right, I need to get some cash. And I go to the ATM, and I'm like, 40 bucks. And 
it's like recognizes that I've got, you know, an American bank account. And it's like the exchange rate is da 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 da. So we'll be removing $32 from your bank account and yeah. giving you 40 Canadian. I'm like, hell Sick. fucking yeah. <laughs> you got like a deal yeah. on the cash. Yeah. 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 Well, so like if you're. Dude, their money is crazy. Have you seen their money? It's like lately? Monopoly money. It is. It's like plasticky. It's plasticky like blues, green. And it's got like it's it's got clear oh. sections in it. I've seen the clear. Her, yeah, the five's got pictures of people ice skating on it. Like that. It's like it's <laughs> fake. <laughs> no. It's fake. Um, but that's another good thing. So in Montreal, there's a snowboard shop, and when they have like a blowout sale next time, Wyatt just like needs a snowboard. That's where to go, dude. Like. Crazy deals. We we went to the 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 last night I was in Canada. Uh, we were back in Montreal and we went to La Chine, which is the oldest area of Montreal. Which is basically La Chine is like little China. Um, it's not Chinatown. They do have a Chinatown, but La Chine was the original area that was settled. And whoever the explorers were that landed there were in search of a route to China, and they assumed that they had come to uh, China, yeah, yeah, so they yeah. named it Lachine. So it was kind of neat. Hmm. Very, very. Um, I felt like I was almost. Um, How old do you think it was? Like Saint Augustine old? Oh yeah, it's like fourteen hundred. Yeah, like older. You get the feeling when you're there, and and uh, that you're. It's got the same feel as uh, New Orleans. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's French, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And, French. And I, I said that out loud, and Ted's like, "Well, duh, it's because it's a French colonization." And I was like. Makes perfect sense. You're like wee 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 wee. Oh, mon frere. It it was really bizarre to me because like the every sign was in uh, and it wasn't like French and English. Everything was in French, mm-hmm. and I was like, I felt like I was lost the mm-hmm. whole time I was there, and it was especially bizarre because you know we all know Ted, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't know Ted. Speaking fluent French, Ted first language until you're there, oh, and yeah. like he's like speak like speaking French with these people, like you know. And I'm like, I bet it sounds sexy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ben, <laughs> like the lingerie shed girl. No coffee. No smoother. Way smoother. I bet it is French. way smoother in French. So every time I like say stuff about Ted, I always like picture. Ted, like, probably going, oh, Ben, that's disgusting. Like, <laughs> I said that just to get a rise out of Ted, knowing I don't get the privilege of seeing how uncomfortable he is. Well, it was uh, definitely an awesome trip. Um, love to go back up there again. Um, I guess the announcement, like, I, we talked about it briefly when I was up there with them, was that the uh, Rays are talking, uh, they've got the approval of Major League Baseball to, like, split their home season between Montreal and Tampa, but I don't think it's a done deal yet. Mm. But that would be kind of cool. I heard something about yeah. I remember hearing something about that. It's another Blue Jays. Well, yeah. and it used to be the Expos up there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be the X-Rays. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. 
All right, fellas. Well, I guess uh, with no further ado, we uh, probably going to go ahead and bail out here and uh, call it a episode. So, uh, episode thirty-two. Chris, thanks for stopping by, Thank hanging you, out sir. in the Taylor Park. Me, it was great having you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank and you uh, Carl, keep that marina tip-top shape. Well, I'm telling you, ship everybody shape. coming in and going ship like they shape. should. Ship ben, <laughs> keep faking it till you make it. <laughs> That's the name of the game, baby. <laughs> Lord.